You may be seated. I just told Jonathan and Jonathan back in the sound booth before I walked to the front that perhaps I said yes too soon when Pastor asked me uh, to preach tonight. I always appreciate it when he gives me the opportunity. And uh, you know the devil, when we set our mind to do something for the Lord, he puts it in overdrive. He never gets tired. He never takes a vacation. And he knows where you live. <laughs> I believe that because I know he knows where I live. And I know I'm not anybody special. So he's got to know where you live. You see, we need to be careful in all that we do. As I was contemplating uh, tonight during the day, um, I thought, wow, June 16th, it was two months and four days ago that I was told I had COVID. Now, the timeline is foggy for me, and you say, well, that's nothing new for you, Gabe. Watch it. You're supposed to be kind. But I had been dealing with... Uh, my sister, my younger sister, uh, she'd been in ICU in a hospital in Iowa for three weeks with COVID and other major health complications. And in the midst of her struggle, uh, I was just beginning my own. And uh, just a few, two days, two days before they confirmed that I had COVID, my sister, Johanna, went home to be with the Lord. And as I began my struggle, I have to be very honest with you. Heaven was looking really good. Mom's there. I have a granddaughter that we've never met who was stillborn in the ninth month of my daughter-in-law's pregnancy. I have friends, mentors, and I was between decisions, not like Paul, between heaven and earth, but the idea was for me, Lord, what do you want me to do. Now, I don't really know how sick I was. You'll have to talk to others to determine that. But I know that they acted very quickly to take me from one place to another place where I only stayed a few days to another hospital. And I said yes to many questions about do you want to take this? Do you want to take that? And I contacted some people who know much more than me, and they're easy to find. They're all over the place, people who know much more than me. And they gave me some good advice. And so I did whatever it was 
the doctors and nurses were asking me to do. But even tonight, my strength, though much better, is not what it should be. Or, well, what it was pre-COVID. And so I believe as I search, and that's what I'm doing, I'm searching the will of God, searching the mind of God, because I believe that we all as Christians have different opportunities that come our way in our life where we need to redefine who we are, what we're doing it, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and is it in the will of God? It's not a bad exercise, and it doesn't mean that you ought to be paranoid about who you are and what you're doing and how your walk is right now, but evaluation is good to get along with God and make sure that we haven't fallen into a rut, if you will, or a type of work or service. And it's not really exactly what God wants you to be doing. And as I was in the hospital, I had this very conversation with the Lord. I need to redefine. Of all the verses that I've read over the years and have preached upon over the years, uh, shared with many, many people, this verse in 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn there with me, you all have it memorized, but it's good to see it as well as hear it. 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my beloved brethren. What a great phrase. He speaks with tenderness. He calls them my beloved. There's a relationship there that is rooted, not in humanism, that is rooted in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary that saves men and women and brings them into the family of God. They're his beloved, and Paul acknowledges, acknowledges that. And he's going to encourage them. And he wants them to understand that he's not accusing them. There's no accusation here. He's coming from a position of love. Be ye steadfast. Unmoving. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. What a charge. And again, it's such a familiar verse. But as I was having this conversation with the Lord, this is what he gave me. Now, 
I said in the beginning of our service tonight, in the introductory remarks, that whatever is happening to us on the outside should not take away the joy that we have as we walk with Jesus Christ. But we all know tonight, we don't always stay there. We sometimes allow our joy to be quenched. To the Thessalonians, Paul exhorted them, quench not the spirit. And we, can, we don't have to have somebody else do that to us. We're very good, very professional at quenching our own spirit when we have the inward look instead of the outward and upward look. Well, that's where I was. I know we're not Catholic, and I don't have to confess to any one individual, but James does tell us, confess our faults one to another and pray over them. Pray for one another. As I was in that hospital bed in that hospital room, I knew and I don't know that I really have ever experienced it this way before in my lifetime. But the overwhelming presence of your prayers, the prayers of the body of Christ, I sensed it. And then later on when I looked at my phone and I saw all these text messages, it confirmed so many of you, and I thank you. And I know that we have a great ministry of prayer, of intercession for one another. And so many others here and around the world have benefited by the faithfulness of this local assembly, praying and calling out to God to do that which only he can do. And here Paul says to the Corinthians, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I needed to hear that, not from you, but from him. You see, in a few weeks... It's going to be 10 years. 10 years since my life, my ministry was torn asunder. And, and I'm the one that did the tearing. I, I don't back away from that. But as I've been thinking about July 2nd, 2021, I can't help but flash back to July 2nd, 10 years ago, in 2011, and began the evaluation process of who am I? Where am I? 
What am I doing? What have I done? Lord, it's been 10 years. It may not seem that long to you, but it seems even longer to me. So being in that mind and going through those evaluations to have the doctor say, you have COVID. <laughs> I was ready to see Jesus. I dare say longing a bit to see Jesus, especially on the heels of my sister just leaving this earth. Now, I'm just being bluntly honest and open with you. And I don't wish to offend you, but truth is truth. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we're going to be able to rejoice, we have to understand the heart of brothers and sisters and not fall into the routine of just passing each other on a Sunday or a Wednesday night and glibly, hi, God bless you, yeah, praying for you, and off we go. Semantics. And I'm not saying that we do that. I'm thinking in terms of the body of Christ and churches in general. We need a wake-up call and Goodness gracious sakes alive. <sighs> Has not God given us from the winter of 2019 through the year of 2020 and the early onslaughts, onslaught of 2021 given the world, given his church, his people a wake-up call I, I sometimes shiver, Daquan, got your name right tonight, <laughs> when I hear your testimony and your wife's of how you're still visiting and giving out tracts and leading people to Jesus Christ. That is being steadfast. That is being unmovable. That is abounding in the work that God has given to this couple. Not to them alone, but the work he's given to us each one. Standards. You know, it's one thing to set standards, and it's quite another to maintain standards without deviation. You know, I don't have a conclusion of the COVID and the evaluation and what it is God wants and what it is I'm supposed to be doing. That's still being worked out between he and me. And quite honestly, I don't have any inkling and that's okay. He'll, he'll let me know when he wants me to know. But right now, I'm supposed to be steadfast.
I am supposed to be unmovable. And I am supposed to continue to abound in whatever it is he has for me. Ten years. You know, one of the things that occurred was I got a text. Not just one, but two. Two or three. From my son. That's another part of the 10-year saga. I got a text, only one, from my oldest daughter. Another part of the 10-year saga. And I thought, who knows? I'll wait and I'll rejoice. Rejoice in that they didn't have to text me. They didn't have to make contact. But they did. And again, this is not negative on my daughter and my son. I own the breach of the relationship as being the transgressor. And I wait. And I rejoice from afar what I know about their individual lives. Maintaining, maintaining that which we believe God has called us to do, and then being faithful to do it, takes work. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You, you, you see what Paul is saying here to his son in the faith, Timothy? You have standards. And you've set some holy standards. Now maintain them. And he gives him the reminder of these evil men. They're going to get worse. Now I know we can't imagine that, especially in the month of June as you are in and out perhaps of the D.C. area and all of the attention that goes to the ungodly gay movement in, in that city, and not just that one alone, but the cities across this land. It is going to get worse. And they're deceiving our children. They're deceiving men and women. And they're deceived themselves. Several years ago, as an Uber driver, I picked up a client and uh, picked her up at the press club there on uh, F Street and 14th, and she uh, engaged me in conversation, and we were going to have a short trip across town. It was going to be about 20, 25 minutes, and I answered all of her questions, as I always try to do, and um, it came to my testimony, and I, I shared with her, and uh, she said, well, and when I asked her what her thoughts were and 
da-da-da-da. And she said, well, I'm a lesbian. Now, you have a split second in that situation to make or say, make the right decision and say the right thing. And all the while, I mean, you're shocked. <laughs> At least I was. I went, oh! But a split second. And God is good. He's so good, we know that he's good all of the time. And in that split second, we were at a red light. And I leaned back and I looked at her. And I said, ma'am, that's all right. Jesus loves you just as you are. No rebuttal. No argument. She took the track. This was your life. And went on her, and went on her way. Yes, we have standards. We need to maintain those standards. And we need to understand that those that are breaking God's heart are doing so because they are so deceived, so in need of a Savior. And I submit to you tonight that our heart needs to be breaking as well. We need to see the world as God sees the world. Those in our family who don't want a relationship with us. Those in our place of business who stab us in the back. Whatever the situation is, we still need to be steadfast. And give them, as God opens the door and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice in 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14, there are two types of people mentioned in these verses. Those who are moving. Those who are standing still. Two types of people. Those who are moving, becoming worse and worse. Those who are standing still. He says, continue thou. This is the reason we are to be steadfast. The world is moving. And, then, and in the last year and a half, going on two years, there's never been more evidence of the moving of the world to a godless way than what we've seen. That's my opinion. You may differ, and that's okay. I'll still love you. Will you still love me? That's the question. I'm hard to love. I understand that. But God puts people in our path, not by accident. Sometime in the next two weeks, I will take my 15,000th trip for Uber. Next month will be six years. Oh, my, I'm getting so old. Six years I've been driving for Uber, and God has spared me protected me, and given me so many opportunities to share the Lord Jesus Christ. One conversation, 
I don't remember when it took place. That's, I'm going to blame COVID for that. Is that okay, Ryan? Can I blame COVID for not being able to remember things? <laughs> what are you going to blame? Anyway, we won't go there. That's meddling now. We had a good conversation. And we were almost to the destination. And the gentleman, sir, may I ask you a question? I said, well, absolutely. Are you a Christian? I said, absolutely. That's why I have these tracks here. He went, oh. Most people notice them right away. But he, he said, I take him at his word, oh, I didn't notice those. And uh, so I had more conversation with him. And he said this. You sounded like a Christian. We were not talking about biblical things. We were not talking theology. I don't remember what it was we were talking about, but I know it was just conversation. And later, after I had time to think about it, I thought, it's so simple. It's so simple to treat people with kindness and love and respect. Even the non-Christian does that. How much more so for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to go above and beyond, or as it's, we're told in the Gospels, to walk that second mile. I want to be a second mile Christian. I don't want to be satisfied with just doing the routine of just doing what's expected of me. I want to do the unexpected. That's when it gets good. That's when it gets exciting. When God sees a man or a woman who's willing to do more. Because I know that with him, I can do more than I ever thought or hoped. And if I just rely upon me, oh my. What a disappointment. Now, Jesus would never say that. That's me. Jesus would just say, okay, come on. I'm not through with you yet. There's still something. You're right. There's still something I need you to do that I want you to do. And in my time, not yours, 10 years, quit thinking about it. Don't dwell upon that which is negative. Look up. See what has been done for you and rejoice. You know, if you believe tonight that there are times when you just you can't rejoice, I'll challenge you with this as I've challenged myself. Rejoice in Calvary. Rejoice in Calvary. Never lose sight of the cross. And walk down that road with him. And see him in his agony and pain and the blood that flows from his veins. 
and then go to the empty tomb. We have something to rejoice about. No matter what is going on on the outside or what's going on within our body, look to Calvary. These two types of people, we fall into one category or the other. The world is moving. And each day it seems to move further and further away, getting worse and worse. And the sad thing here tonight is the Christian tends to do the same thing. What do I mean? Well, we don't always realize it. But if we are looking at the world... And we say, I'm not as bad as the world. You're probably right. I wouldn't argue with you, with anyone. Here tonight or out here watching on YouTube and sharing, I, I, I wouldn't argue with you. Here's the problem. As the world gets farther and farther away from the word... If we maintain that position of, oh, I'm not as bad as they are, but we just kind of slide along. And as the world gets farther away from the word, guess what? We get farther away from the word. We get farther away from our fellowship with Jesus Christ. And in that condition, yes, it's hard to rejoice. But who's done it? We have. We've quenched the spirit. And what's happened to those standards that we've said we're going to maintain? They slide. You know, I remember my first few weeks at the live-in program in Kentucky. I had that, that type of sensation, mentality. I, I looked at the other some 60, 70 men who were there for various and sundry acts of immorality. And I, I, I don't belong here. I'm not like him. And I was cringing. And then God showed me that I did belong there. And that led to when I wrote my book, Double Soul, to the chapter, Will the Real Pharisee Please Stand Up? See, we can, as believers, no matter how long we've been saved, slip into that pharisaical mode. Yeah, we have standards. But maintaining them is the work. And often the devil comes with his doctrine of gradual deterioration. Gradual deterioration. We drift 
As the world drifts, we drift with the world. And when I speak with those who are addicted to pornography or other sexual sins, and any addiction, most often that's where there's been failure. Rather, and I'm talking about Christian men now, rather than having their eyes fixed on Jesus, being rooted in the Word of God, they've looked around, well, I'm not as bad as him, or I'm not as bad as them. Well, look at that family. We know that's not what we're supposed to be doing. In the Old Testament, in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it for you. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. In the Old Testament, when you had land, they didn't have all the surveyors and surveying equipment and so forth, so they had to go out there and get a bunch of rocks and make a pile of rocks and say, this marked my land, and they go over to the other corner, and to the other corner, and to the other corner, and they marked off that which was theirs, a landmark, to make sure that the rocks weren't moved by a despicable neighbor. I know, you don't have any despicable neighbors, but anyway. They, they would have to take a, a clay vessel and make a copy of the agreement and put it in the clay vessel and then bury it in the ground beneath the pile of rocks. And they'd do that for every corner. So that if a despicable neighbor mm, moved the rocks so they could have more land, it was always there. It was always there, down deep in the earth. And you know, and we hear our pastors say all the time, and rightly so, read the word and let the word get into you. Let the word get into you. I believe tonight that we all have standards. And we've, God's given us the ability to have godly standards. And he wants to help us aid us in maintaining those standards that we might leave a landmark for those around us, for our families, our children, our grandchildren, and that we will not be moved. And we will be able to abound. We will be able to rejoice. We will be able to see the mighty power of God do something in us that's always first through us and literally to the lives of people round about us I want to close tonight with a story that I read some time ago it's a story of and an example of forgiveness it's a true story. A true story of an incident that occurred in a small village in Brazil. In a little hut with a dirt floor and a red tile roof lived Maria, the mother, with her daughter, 
Christina. Christina was just an infant when her father died. Maria did the best she could to raise her daughter. Christina was now a pretty teenage girl, and the time had come for her to seek employment to add to the income from Maria's job as a house cleaner. Maria's job provided enough to buy food and clothing, but there was barely enough to eke out an existence. So now, it was time for Christina to find a job. But Christina had a streak of independence, true teenager. She often talked to her mother about fleeing the dusty little village and going to Rio de Janeiro to seek opportunities in the big city. Her mother would react in fear and tell her daughter, the streets are cruel. Maria knew that if her daughter went there, she could not support herself. She knew what Christina would have to do for a living. That is why the morning that Maria found her daughter's pallet empty, her heart broke. She knew where Christina had gone. Maria immediately gathered her clothing and headed for the bus depot. When she arrived in Rio de Janeiro, she went to a little drugstore. She took all of the money that she could possibly spare, stepped into a photograph booth, closed the curtain, and took as many pictures as she possibly could. Now, armed with her bag, full of little black and white photographs, she headed for the back streets. She knew that Christina had no skills. She knew that she would not be able to earn money. She also knew that when pride met hunger, there was no telling what a human being would do to survive. Maria went to the bars, the hotels, and the nightclubs, the street corners where prostitutes gathered, and she looked for her daughter. Wherever she went, she would tape her picture to a wall or a mirror or a bulletin board. She went everywhere she possibly could. On the back of each photograph, she had written the same message. Finally, she ran out of money. She ran out of photographs. And she had not found Christina. Tired and brokenhearted, she wept as she rode the old rickety bus back to her village. Several months later, Christina, descending the steps of a filthy hotel, looked across the lobby to see a familiar face taped to a mirror. She recognized it. Her eyes filled with tears and her throat burned as she ran across the lobby floor and pulled the picture off the mirror. It was indeed a picture of her mother. She stared at her mother's face for a long time and then happened to turn the photograph over. When she did, she read the note which said, Wherever you are, whatever you have become, I will forgive you.
please come home. And Christina did. Against the dark despair of sin, there is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The light of forgiveness that encourages us to stand fast, to be unmovable, to abound in whatever God has for us. Is that not what Mr. Newton did when he penned the great words to amazing grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege that you give to us to be called your children. We thank you, Father, that you have been so patient with us and building us and making us what you want us to be. And Lord, we pray tonight that if there's anyone here who has never come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may make that decision tonight to bring glory and honor to you. We thank you, Father, for the promise and hope that is ours that one day soon you're going to call your children home. Until that day come, we ask, Father, that you would use us as you see fit, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Ryan.